This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Here's the final part of my chat with Alex Katuzian, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Mobile Compute and Infrastructure for Qualcomm, where we dive into the metaverse and the latest about 5G. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. All right, well, I, I want to talk about something that, that seemingly every tech company is talking about, and that's the metaverse. Obviously, Facebook is making a big deal of it with its name change, but other companies, South Korean government, have been all in on metaverse, and I'm curious how Qualcomm plans to play in this area? Yeah, so um, I, I'm sure you've heard this said multiple times, um, but if there's a belief in the fact that data centers and, and cloud capability is on a growth path, and I believe the number quoted has been 35% growth, then you must also believe that the intelligent edge where all the devices lie and all those intelligent devices, if they're in the future, if the device is smart, it's gonna get connected to the cloud. And that intelligent edge is where we thrive. And so from a metaverse perspective, all the devices that are connecting to the metaverse cloud, that's where we participate. So if you take a look at um, XR designs today, uh, almost all of them are based on our solutions. So we have a first mover advantage there. We've been working with leading uh, cloud companies to make sure that we're compliant to what they want and services that they want to provide. Um, today, for example, the Oculus 2 has um, has our XR2 chipset in there and software, and it's allowing us to develop use cases and capabilities alongside with Meta. And, and uh, the popular use cases today are obviously social, social environment where you would step into a completely social environment with avatars and be able to interact with people in different rooms, uh, which is really uh, the first time I got, I, I, um, I got a demonstration of that. It was actually going into another world and then coming back. It, when you took off the glasses, you felt like you just came back. Um, gaming and then health and fitness. But this is going to grow. Uh, you know, uh, as as X, you know, VR evolves into AR, you're going to have training, you're going to have in the field applications, uh, you can have uh, uh, data calls to walk people through things, uh, medical applications, it's, it's endless. There's many, many, many applications that can come around. But the point is, the intelligent edge devices, we're going to be participating in those and providing the underlying technology and the ability to connect through 5G into the metaverse cloud. And then a lot of that data processing will start to happen at the edge where our solutions will take advantage of that. And so we see ourselves as an enabler of that metaverse through the, through the devices that sit on the intelligent edge. And we will enable and we will work with all of our partners to, to optimize to that, optimize the interfaces, optimize the processing capability on the devices, make sure we have low power solutions that are available because again, as these glasses evolve and the weight and the size of these things start to shrink, you must have uh, low power capability, not, you know, handsets are 
averaging out at two and a half watts. I'm talking about milliwatts of power that will allow you to perform the, the processing capability necessary in these glasses to provide the information in front of you. And we've, we've invested in companies. Um, I don't know if you've seen the, the latest uh, release that we had um, for a Snapdragon Spaces, uh, which, is, which is a set of tools uh, and SDKs that are available to the whole developer community, allowing them to feed back to us about our underlying processing and technology capabilities, as well as having a straight set of APIs that they can work with and develop on. Um, you know, we have invested in a company called Wikitude, which brings the SDK capability and the interface into the developer community, into the Qualcomm family. Uh, we've also invested in a company called Clay that has uh, hand tracking algorithms available to them. Uh, so we have a com complete solution. So, sorry, let me let me stop you there because you've got you've listed a lot of different details and and like right now, you know, as popular as the you know the Oculus Quest and Quest Two is, I mean, I think it's still we're so far away from this being kind of a mainstream thing, and I would argue the experience in VR, uh, you know, long term, isn't necessarily ideal. I think I like I still get kind of tired. My eyes get tired after you know, 30 minutes in VR. Uh, I'm curious what and like, and, and sort of how you're investing in things like that. And I think you've somewhat talked about that with the idea of like lighter glasses um, and, and more lower power devices. But like, what what is it going to take for, and like, do you, do you have a sense of timing for when this stuff becomes more acceptable to a mainstream audience? So I, I think we do see um, XR, if I can call the family XR, as the future of computing. And I'm just curious, and, what just to just to stop you, the XR. What does the X stand for? Because I'm always curious what that. Because it's like a hybrid of the AR and VR. But what exactly yeah. is the X? It's called extended reality. Okay, cool. And uh, if you you have three types of uh, uh, solutions, you have virtual reality, which you're completely uh, you know enclosed in, and you're kind of in a metaverse type of an environment. You're you're you you have a duplicate of the world whether it's outside or inside, mapped so that you can be inside of a virtual environment. So you're completely enclosed. And then you have what's called mixed reality, where you would have, uh, where you would have virtual and see-through. So you can actually see through the real world and possibly interact with objects that are placed there for you. Uh, and then also have the ability to fully get virtual. And then you have augmented reality where you would have reg a regular pair of glasses that you can actually see everything. And then you would have digital objects placed in the environment that you're in that you can interact with. So, so those are the three types of capabilities. And, uh, and we, we play in all three of those environments. And the, the way for us to move forward, like I said, is not only provide the underlying technology and software, but get active in the developer community with our SDKs and our APIs to enable them to realize all the technologies that we provide and, and put together applications and user experiences using those technologies. And um, as you know, uh, you know your, your listeners may not know this, but I'll, but I'll describe it. Today, the way you interface into a machine is you, you either uh, type something 
either on, on the display or on a keyboard, or you're touching, you know, touch and, and expand, uh, or, or you have voice. And, and you know, I, and the more sophisticated ones may have a pen, but it's also a form of touch. As we move into these uh, next generation compute devices that you're actually wearing, um, your interface to them is gonna be how they track your eyes, how they track your face, how they track your hand movements, okay, uh, your head movements, and your voice. So those will be the next generation inputs into these devices. So it's very, very important that the developer community starts to realize what type of technology is being developed for these inputs so they can give feedback continuously. You know, um, uh, Roger, our regular software releases for phones is twice a year. In this case, we're gonna be releasing every six to eight weeks of software to the developer community and get that continuous feedback to improve our solutions and improve the user experience. And, and that'll continue on and on and on as long as we're developing solutions for this market. All right, and lastly, I wanna talk about 5G. Because uh, to be honest, 5G felt a lot like it did in 2020, which was kind of underwhelming. You know, it was there after years of hype about the life-changing advantages and benefits of 5G. They really weren't. And a lot, most places, they were either slightly faster or even slower. I, I'm curious, like, what what will excite people about 5G? Or do you think anything, or are we kind of past the, or ha have we been overhyped with 5G in the years preceding its deployment? Well, um, okay, so each G lasts about 10 to 12 years. Right. And then the next generation starts to take over and, and, and takes off after that. Uh, so we went through a pretty good growth uh, of 4G. Um, and it took, so we're only in the third year of, of 5G. If you, if you remember, we accelerated everything in 2019. Uh, Qualcomm was one of the big um, supporters of 5G. It kind of pulled in the schedule uh, of 5G into 2019. We barely started. And in 2020, you know, we had the pandemic, unfortunately, and we're kind of still going through that through 2021. So you could really call it the second year of 5G. As the, as the infrastructure for 5G gets wider and wider and wider use, used in, you know, outside and, and even indoors, uh, what you're going to see is uh, better and better applications that are taking advantage of, of, the, of the bandwidth, the throughput, and the latency available for 5G from the ground up. So some of the applications will start to build that in. Uh, like for example, gaming latency will build it in. Uh, social environment use cases will build it in. And so it'll take you know, a, a little bit more time in my opinion, as the infrastructure becomes more widely used, uh, you're gonna see more and more applications that are gonna hit, uh, that are gonna be pertinent and people will see the difference between what used to be and what is now. The second thing you need to keep in mind is that 5G use cases go far beyond uh, mobile devices. Uh, you know, we're talking about industrial applications, automotive applications, educational applications, health applications. So is there, Alex, is there anything in particular like that excites you or you think will get people excited about 5G? Oh yeah, so if, if I look at, just, if I just look at the, um, 
the mobile, like a mobile PC or, or a mobile device, uh, an XR, I'm going to have the freedom to do so many applications untethered. Um, and, and um, you know, just if I just look at the gaming and social applications that are heavily video intensive and heavily data intensive and latency necessary, you know, low latency necessary, I think people will start to see the difference between that and 4G in a, in a, in a big way. The, the other thing that excites me more and more about 5G is outside of smart devices. So when it comes to automotive and industrial, uh, I think that's going to make a big, big difference uh, because, you know, self-driving cars outside of AI need that 5G connectivity for uh, assurance of data, uh, assurance of low latency, and assurance of throughput. Um, and then in, on the industry side, if I look at, like, for example, an auto manufacturing plant, um, if I have a private 5G network that controls all the machinery in that plant, I can start producing cars in the dark even because the machines will know exactly when and where to operate and how to produce that data and process that data necessary for all these devices to come through or all the, all the cars to come through. So there's many, many more applications associated with it than just smart devices, but in the smart device realm, the heavy data use cases are gonna really benefit from 5G. That's it for our three-part interview with Alex Katuzian of Qualcomm. I'd like to thank Alex for his time and for the fascinating conversation. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by handing to cnet.co slash daily charge. And if you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.